You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of Horse Hour. There's been major worries this time of year about atypical myopathy because it's rife right now. So I thought we'd talk to a lovely guest. Her name is Helen Christian. She is the vet at the Barn Equine Surgery in Dorset. How are you, Helen? Uh, Good, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. We all worry as equine owners about this time of year because we hear about the little propeller leaf things that fall on the grass and we hear about atypical myopathy but actually we don't know much about it so I was hoping you could help us. What is it? Well it's it's been around for a few years now but it's been getting progressively more common. Um, it's actually the toxin inside the sycamore seeds which when it's ingested it attacks the muscle fibers with the horse and so it starts to destroy their muscle. Right okay so it's the sycamore tree and is it true that they carry an infection throughout? This is what I heard so sometimes we like to get rid of myths as well. (laughs) I heard when the leaves fall from the trees they get propelled into the grass and then that's when they carry the infection but is that not the case? Right so almost um it's mainly the seed so it's the helicopter seeds that you see come from the sycamore tree. They do believe that the leaves and the saplings may also have the toxin, um, but it's mainly the seeds. And because of the helicopter nature of the seeds, they can travel long distances. They can travel in streams, they can travel in the wind, um, and it's not an infection as such, it's actually a toxin in the seed. So it's more like a poison rather than a bacterial or a viral infection and it's only just seems to have started in the last few years yes it seems to have been progressing I mean we've been seeing they've been seeing cases for several years but they've been getting more and more frequent although there are years that are much worse than other years in our area last year was not too bad for atypical myopathy the year before that we had a large number of cases So there is a seasonal um, and a change between years difference in the case numbers. Do you think that's just the the amount of trees that grow or the the amount that actually disperse? We do find that different seasons will have a bumper crop of seeds, much like this year we've had a huge number of acorns, whereas last year there weren't very many acorns on the trees. Um, It also depends on the weather. We find that we have more cases of atypical myopathy when 
there are environmental stresses to the seeds. So once the seeds have fallen, it seems that they release that toxin more um, or whether the plant itself produces more toxin when it's stressed. So we see a large number of cases when we've had heavy rain and whether the rain starts to soften and break down the seed. Um, we also have had cases immediately after a frost. So whether the frost is also again breaking down the seed. So when it's ingested by the horse, they're getting a higher amount of toxin from the seed. What would the recommendations be if anybody's worried about about possibly having a sycamore tree near their field? Mm. We've had lots of clients wanting to put in permission applications to the council to cut down sycamore trees and things like that. And the thing to remember is that these seeds travel long distances. So we have had cases in pastures where there are no sycamore trees in the pasture because the seeds have blown in from a distance or they've come in on the watercourse. So I wouldn't immediately start cutting down every sycamore tree <laughs> in the country. The, the best things to do to prevent it we choose sort of at-risk areas of the pasture. So if you do know that there's a sycamore tree and it's dropping seeds, clear the seeds away as best you can. If you're able to, to rake them up or sweep them up, mm-hmm. use electric fencing tape to fence off the area where the seeds are falling. And that way, obviously, prevent the horses from getting to them. We see the most cases where horses don't have very good grazing. So the grazing quality has started to fade as we get into the autumn. It's not growing anymore. And the horses start to forage for seeds. If you feel that the grass quality is going to supplement them, whether that's extra hay or haylage going out, or whether it's giving them extra hard feed, they'll be less likely to be picking around for seeds on the ground. Oh, that's really interesting. So give them extra food so they're not looking yeah. for things. Yeah. I see. And what, what are the signs that we need to look out for? It all happens very, very quickly, unfortunately. Um, Once they have ingested either sufficient numbers of seeds uh, or seeds that have been stressed and are releasing high quantity of the toxin, it will attack the muscle fibers very, very quickly. So they become very weak. Um, Often the first sort of signs can look a bit like colic. So they'll be depressed, not wanting to eat. Some horses will continue to eat. They'll have a very dropped head. It becomes difficult for them to lift the head. They're very stiff, they don't want to walk, and they often will actually start to get a high heart rate and breathing difficulties as the disease goes on. The very, very classic thing, which is a big, big sign that you should call your vet straight away, is if you notice a red or brown urine. If they urinate and it's red or brown, then that's a sign that the muscle fibers are already starting to break down. And this all happens so quickly, doesn't it? Yes, it can happen within a few hours. Wow. Okay. So it literally is phone your vet straight away if you see any of those signs at all. And it's better, I guess, to be safer than sorry. So yeah. even if you're slightly worried, then just phone the vet, get them out and, um, and get them checked over. Yes, absolutely. Some of the ones that we've seen very early in the disease have either been just doesn't seem quite right, a little bit off colour, maybe um, not quite as enthusiastic to walk in for dinner as usual, things like that. And the quicker we pick up the signs, the higher the chance of saving the horse. We have a lovely girl called Jade who sadly lost her horse last year to atypical myopathy. And she wanted to share her story so that you know what to look for and um, what she went through last year. Here's Jade. This is my story of Oliver and losing him to equine atypical myopathy. 
Oliver was a healthy, happy, cheeky pony that had everything going for him. He was one in a million and absolutely stunning. Um, unfortunately, last Friday I lost him to equine atypical myopathy, which people know very little about. Hopefully, my story and getting it out there will help raise awareness and help save others the heartache and pain of losing a beloved pony or horse. Uh, I arrived at the field on Friday morning to find that Oliver was down. Um, he was stiff, he was trembling, he was sweating profusely, um, and he was in a lot of pain. Um, Thursday evening before that, at 7pm, exactly 12 hours beforehand, he was healthy, happy, exercised, fed. Nothing would even show that he had any symptoms of this disease. Um, unfortunately, by the time the vet had arrived to Oliver on Friday morning, it, there was nothing that they could do for him. Um, and I had to make the decision to have him put to sleep uh, to stop his suffering. Um, the other pony that was grazing in the field with Oliver was also down on our arrival. Another healthy, happy pony. Um, he has survived. He has had intensive care treatment this week um, and he has pulled through. Although his symptoms on arrival were not as severe and he was more mobile, he did present dark urine, trembling, uh, muscle stiffness um, and excessive sweating um, I do urge horse owners to pay more attention to how dangerous maple, maple fit trees and sycamore trees can be to their horses um, you know please go out and check your fields and check again don't let this go lightly because you know like I said in a few hours time your pony or horse could be dead um i just want to urge horse owners to just you know please be more aware and please 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 check those fields you know i don't want anyone else out there to lose something that's loved so much like oliver was um i just hope that my story could be of help Thank you so much for being brave enough to share your story, Jade. It's heartbreaking to hear you go through that. And sadly, a lot of people have because this atypical myopathy is so rife at the moment. So we're just with Helen Christian, who is the vet at the Barn Equine Surgery. Helen, we were talking earlier about the signs and what to look out for. But let's say someone has seen the signs and they call you. Then what happens? Right. Well, it would be an emergency situation. We would come out straight away. Um, one of the first things we'll do is obviously a full examination of the horse. If it is a time critical situation and we haven't seen the characteristic urine, sometimes we'll actually pass a urinary catheter into the bladder of the horse to get a urine sample. That's going to be the quickest way to confirm our suspicion that this could be atypical myopathy. And is this all done in the field on the yard or do you take yes. the horse? Yes. Oh, wow. No. We would do that there on the yard. Um, because time is of the essence, really, and we want to get a diagnosis straight away. We would take blood as well, and that's going to confirm our diagnosis. So the blood would get taken back to the practice, and that will be run for um, a full profile often. But the main things we're looking for are the muscle enzymes, so creatinine kinase um, and AST, and those will be very, very 
extremely high readings if we have got atypical myopathy and that will help confirm the diagnosis. Uh, we also look at their kidney values because unfortunately one of the other consequences of atypical myopathy is that it can start to cause kidney failure in the horse as well. Uh, so we would want to know if that's starting to happen already. That will enable us to, to give the owner a more accurate prognosis for that particular horse. So let's say then you've, you've done all the blood tests and you've done all the tests and it comes back that it is atypical myopathy. What happens next? Right. Well, again, it's a very intensive procedure. Um, depending on how severely the horse is affected will determine if we can travel the horse. Any sort of stress forcing the horse to move um, can make the disease process more rapid and can actually make things worse. So if they're already to a stage where they're having trouble moving, we wouldn't force them to travel into the practice. We would set up in a stable where they are, give them a big deep bed because it's most likely the horse at some point is going to go down and not be able to get up for a length of time. We would hang fluids straight away. So intravenous fluid therapy is one of the key parts to treating these horses. Mm -hmm. We get the fluids running straight away. Um, we also give them antioxidants, pain relief, and um, multivitamin injections, again, intravenously, particularly vitamin E, which is an antioxidant and can help prevent the further breakdown of the muscle. You can give them carnitine, which helps with the protein and holding the, the, the muscle fibers to, to stop the destruction of the muscle. It's so, all yes. so scary, isn't it? It's really... Yes, it's very fast. Yeah, we're looking at real intensive care treatment of these horses if we have any chance of saving them once they're showing the signs of the disease. Out of, out of the symptoms and out of the horses that have atypical myopathy, how many have you managed to save? Unfortunately, um, once they start to show these severe signs, it is almost always fatal. It has, the disease has a mortality rate of up to 90% mortality <gasps> oh, um, once they start to show the signs of the disease. The ones we have been able to save are the ones where, unfortunately, clients have found a horse that's very severely affected. We've diagnosed it and potentially, unfortunately, had to put the horse down due to suffering. But we then test the pasture mate. And so if there are other horses in the affected field, we will blood test those as well, even if they're not showing severe signs. And if they are starting to show elevated muscle enzymes, then we will crack on and treat those horses as well. And um, if we can get them before the muscle destruction is set in too far, then we have a much better chance of bringing them back. Scary stuff. It's scary when you can't do anything about it. You know, we can't no. go and chop down all the trees. And even if we do fence off the area where, you know, there could be sycamore trees two miles down the road, but they, there's a chance they could blow up the road. Yes, absolutely. Supplementary feeding is key, making sure they're in good body condition. They're not searching for alternative food. They've got plenty of food that they would prefer to eat in front of them. That's going to be key, particularly realizing at-risk horses as well. So we see this much more in the under fives and the over 20s. So if you've got horses in the under five category or over 20-year-old category, then reducing their pasture access during at-risk times, so autumn and spring, bring them in at night, only turn them out during the day, fence them into an area where there's less seed fall and give them plenty of either good grass or supplementary feeding. And that's going to really reduce your risk of, of encountering the disease. Are there any supplements that you can give the horse that would help build their immune system so that if 
for example, they did eat one by accident, it might help fight it off? Um, Not particularly, unfortunately. A good vitamin mineral supplement is important. Mm -hmm. Having access to a salt lick is important. Oh, why is that one important? Because it's going to prevent them from looking for other foods that they might be licking on. So sometimes we see horses licking on fencing or things like that Mm -hmm. when they're craving something else in their diet. So if they've got a salt lick available, they're getting vitamins and minerals in their food. They're less likely to be foraging for sticks or seeds or licking things that they wouldn't normally be interested in. Um, So a good vitamin mineral supplement and a salt lick available will really help. Oh, thank you so much. We we do. I do want to ask you about acorns as well, because they're a big. When we talk about um, autumn and spring, what what months are we looking? Are we looking at a six week period of like October to November, or is it longer than that? I would love to say, um, from the atypical myopathy point of view, that it was just short periods. Unfortunately, we even um, had we lost a horse in July uh, mm. one year. So it's it, unfortunately, and again, we've had them after the frost um, sort of around Christmas time too. So although out of the key seasons, it reduces the incidence to less than 1%, um, we do see them out of season. But it's going to start, the season's really going to start when the seeds start to fall. And it's often easier to see things like acorns than the sycamore seeds. But once the acorns are coming off the trees, then that's going to start your risk season. Once they're all sort of composting down, then that's going to theoretically end your risk season. And then the springtime, it's when we start to see the saplings come up. So Ah. once you start to see um, (laughs) new plants coming up through the ground, then again, unfortunately, that can be a risk season for the atypical myopathy. And that, again, would start your season. Once you've got the good grass coming through, which happened quite late this year, then your risk is going to reduce because they're going to be eating the grass and not foraging for anything else. Um, So that, I think, happened really, it was was after Easter this year, sort of around May time, um, Mm. we started to get a good flush of grass. The acorns, similar autumn season, you see them, we had a bumper crop of acorns this year. And um, again, that can cause, it can be a mild problem where they get impactions or they get diarrhea, but it can also cause kidney failure which can be fatal. So um, again, trying to keep the horses away from acorns, giving them enough other food that they're not trying to eat the acorns. Unfortunately, some of our horses develop a bit of a taste for acorns. Yes. And they would rather yeah. <laughs> eat the acorns than eat um, other foods sometimes, in which case it's going to be raking them up or fencing them or putting them into a pasture where there aren't acorns. So it is important to get rid of them because I do hear quite often, oh, well, my horse loves the acorns. He eats them <laughs> all the time and he's not affected by them. Yes, and and as well, I mean, in our area, obviously, we've got the new forest ponies and they have plenty of access to acorns and you do often see them eating the acorns. And yeah, they do need to eat quite a lot of them. It's not like the atypical myopathy where a few seeds could cause the disease. It does tend to be that they need to eat quite a lot of them um, with the acorns. However, some horses do seem more susceptible than others. And I would err on the side of caution and avoid them eating large quantities wherever possible. Thank you so much. So you did mention the horses that are more at risk of these diseases, and it's the under fives and the over 20s. However, all horses are at risk. Yes, we can. You can get atypical myopathy in any age. It is just um, more likely in the very young or the very old. Oh, Helen, you've been amazing. Thank you so much. Now, can we follow you on Twitter? Can we follow the Barnett Quine on Twitter? 
I don't know if we've got a Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but if we just Google the Barnett Quine Dorset, then your website will come up. And if anybody needs any advice, they can come to you, who will be more than happy to help. Absolutely. We do have a Facebook site, and we do post up some information on the Facebook. Amazing. Anything like that, we'll share on Horse Hour too. Thanks so much. Okay, you're welcome. So on to our next guest, I'd like to welcome Vicky Olford from the Blue Cross Rehoming Centre. Vicky, thanks so much for joining us. That's absolutely fine. Now you have, we wanted to talk about charities and we wanted to talk about helping horses that are in trouble. And I know the Blue Cross are an amazing charity and they look after everything from dogs to cats to donkeys to rabbits, but yep. you specialise in the horses. Yes, we do. Um, We have, um, at the moment, in our centres, we've got two centres. We've got one here at Burford and we have another one which is up on the Staffordshire Derbyshire borders. Um, And at the moment, currently in our care, we have over 100 horses. Wow. uh, Which is is a fair amount of horses to be looking after, especially coming up into winter. We have, we actually, Blue Cross actually own um, own, uh, nearly a thousand horses now, um, most of which obviously are out in loan homes because we, that's what we do. We bring in horses, we rehabilitate them and then we rehome them into homes. Oh, so you're Um, more than just a rehoming place. You actually work with the horses and you work with the owners. We own the horses, but we rehome all of our horses to um, the public those people we call borrowers because they borrow the horses essentially from us um and then we um we go out and check on the horses and you know and support the borrowers with any problems they might have with the horses so we're pretty you know we can be as hands-on or as hands-off with the people that take on horses from us as they as they really want that's incredible so let's look at if you have seen a horse that's in trouble yeah what happens talk me through the process well we take horses in from all over the country. So the majority of the horses that we take in are obviously um, high welfare. So we will help out um, private owners rehome their horses. And that the, the way that we help those people rehome their horses is by a scheme called Home Direct, which means that we don't have to bring the horse into the centre. We can um, essentially, we go out, we assess the horse in the home that it's in, and then we can put it on our website, find it at home, in that way that's a really popular and a really great scheme because it means that we're not bringing those horses that aren't that although the people need help the horses maybe aren't at the higher level um, welfare of the ones that we have in the center so we can help those horses and offer those people a lifeline without filling our centers with horses that don't necessarily need our expertise that we have in the centers and they could need help for loads of reasons it could be financial issues it could be that inexperience it could be that they've got the wrong horse for them and they don't know how to handle it yeah that's exactly right and you know these people are in desperate need they really are um you know we have a lot of people whose families have broken down who are really in financial you know really are having financial problems they have nowhere to turn they're trying to do the right thing for their horses which is absolutely commendable and we would definitely encourage those people to come to a charity and ask um before we had Home Direct, we really found that we were actually sending a lot of these people away and just saying, look, we, we just can't help, we're full. Mm-hmm. So it's lovely now that we have this Home Direct scheme that we're able to offer these people a lifeline and um, try to rehome their horses. And it's also brilliant that they're looking for help and they're asking for help rather than just abandoning them. You know, they Absolutely. love them enough to know that they want to go to a good home yeah. and they can actually, and it's nice that you, that they can ask you for help. And that that's another role. You've, you guys have got so many different offshoots of, of the Blue Cross. 
And it's nice that there is a role there where, where you're not going to judge anybody and say, look, mm-hmm. it is your situation is your situation. We're purely here to help. Yes. So then those horses will go on to your website. So yes. anyone that's looking to rehome a horse can then go on there and have a look. And I presume they go through lots of, I was going to say security checks, but lots of checks <laughs> to know yes. that they're okay. Well, yes. Basically, if somebody was interested in rehoming one of our horses, and we would definitely ask that anyone looking to get a new horse, be it a riding horse or a companion for their existing horses, go to a charity because there are so many wonderful horses in all charities, not just Blue Cross, but we work very closely with other charities. And we absolutely would say to people, please do go to a charity and rehome a horse from there. Um, so to go onto our website, have a good look through. All of the horses that are on site will go onto the website at some point, and we try to get them on there as quickly as possible. Have a look through, and if something takes your fancy to complete the form, the home finder form that's attached to that horse, that comes straight through to us. Um, it comes straight through to our rehoming coordinator. She has a look at every single form. If we think that you'd be a suitable match, then we will contact you and ask you to come up and see the horse. We do try to keep the process as simple as possible because we do want to rehome our horses. So um, we try not to put too much red tape in the way. We obviously want to secure the future of the horses, but we also want to rehome them. So we try very hard to get people to come up and see the horses as quickly as we can. And it's a brilliant, easy, friendly process to go through. And I know because I've been through it. With you. Now, sadly, I I couldn't rehome a horse. And that was purely because after I'd gone into conversations with you guys, it turned out I had to move back to my hometown in Dorset. So, but I did get to the stage of I found a horse that I really loved and I wanted to rehome. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. 
Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I mean, it was literally that I had to move and couldn't take him all the way with me um you guys oh. needed him to stay in Kimpton which is absolutely fine so oh. the process was amazing um I spoke to Jen and I had to tell her what the type of horse I was looking for yeah. what my experience has been of looking after animals uh, looking after horses she wanted to know where the yard what it was like how long I'd been there there were several questions that she had and then she booked in to come down and visit the yard and we had a look at the stables and we wandered around the field and I showed her where the horse would be staying and it was so lovely because I felt that you guys really cared yeah we absolutely do I mean uh, you know people are giving up their horses as I said earlier absolutely with the right intention and with the intention that Blue Cross are going to to absolutely do the best by them so we very much do care about every single horse that comes into our care we want to find it the best home the people that come to us to take on horses are absolutely amazing obviously without them we would never be able to find such brilliant homes for these horses so so i've talked to you about home direct which is where new horses Mm -hmm. um so if somebody had a horse they couldn't look after anymore would, would come to us and we would help in that way we have another way of keeping the lesser welfare horses out of the center and that is by a scheme called home to home i don't want to confuse you with all the jargon but home to home basically so i said to you we had uh, nearly a thousand horses out on loan yes inevitably sometimes people's circumstances change and the horses you know they have to phone us up and say i'm ever so sorry i can't keep this horse anymore you know things have changed and things have happened so if that happens rather than saying that's fine we'll bring the horse back to the center what we try to do if it's appropriate for the horse is to again rehome it from the home it was in so we can try and find a home like that and that sounds to me like what you what yes. the scheme that you went through with Jen yeah which exactly is exactly that. the same as we do it with the center but it's just from where the horse is so what we really really try to do is to help as many people and as many horses in the best way we can mm. the horses that come into the center are the horses that have the highest welfare needs so those horses tend to be the abandoned horses the horses that are referred by from other charities we get calls from councils and training standards rspca police and those types of horses are the ones that we take into the center and once we've kind of they've obviously been through the kind of rehabilitation and we've really assessed them then we can start to work with them and train them and then we know where you know where in the market we're going to be rehoming them be it a riding horse or a companion it's amazing work vicky it's really good i have to say though if you've got a dog in there at the moment because i think i can hear him snoring yes i have i actually have three (laughs) i have three dogs i have my dog who is the snorer maple and then i'm looking after my mum's two dogs and daisy they're quiet but maple is the snorer yeah Yeah, sorry it's hilarious i can hear her snoring away in the background at least she's happy quiet yeah yeah bless them so okay done the two different types of of rehoming um, and now this is the sad bit the bit where the horses that are not looked after that are abandoned how many of those are you taking in at the moment we have taken in this year between the two centres over 300 horses. 
So though into the actual centres. Um, so you know we we take in a lot and we help as much as we can. There are we do have the two centres and we do work really closely with each other. Um, but obviously we're trying to help the RSPCA out who obviously are having a, a, a terrible time with the, the horse crisis that is happening in the country. They're absolutely overwhelmed, mm. as are all the charities. And we work very closely with the National Equine Welfare Council, of which we are part of and we help out as much as we can in trying to secure homes for all of these abandoned horses and fly grazing horses that are all over the country. Why do you think it's getting so bad? Well, I think it's been bad for quite a long time. Mm. I don't think it's kind of getting any worse, but I think it has been bad for quite a long time. I've been at the Blue Cross for nine years, and when I first started, we took in a lot of private horses. We didn't have the Home Direct scheme then. We took in a lot of private horses, and the kind of welfare um, abandoned horses were very scarce. It's definitely been increasing over the years, and I think for the last kind of three years, it's been particularly bad and still is quite bad. I think it's probably it probably started off with recession, just people, you know, lack of money really. Mm. And as with all the small animals and the dogs as well in the Blue Cross, I think we've seen the problem worsening just because people are struggling with their home lives. And I think very sadly, the animals are the first things to suffer. Mm. You know, they're looking after their children's in their homes, and obviously, you know, the animals are the first things to suffer. Horses of course, are kind of out of sight, out of mind. They're in the field. They tend to be left there for a little bit too long. Their feet are not, you know, they're not wormed. Their their feet are not looked after. And I think that's part of it. Do you think it's also that it's the awareness now? A lot more people are aware of animals that are abused and not looked after and neglected. And they're more inclined to now pick up the phone and phone yourselves or phone the RSPCA and say, you know what, I'm just a little bit worried about this this horse down the road. I think, yes, it probably is a bit of awareness, but I think that probably they are aware because they are seeing so many horses around. I mean, you know, there are a lot of fly grazing horses all over the country, and I'm sure you've seen some, and most people I speak to, horsey people, have noticed fly grazing horses around the country. Um, So I think because they are in front of them, they are then obviously calling up the welfare charities to to try and help. Um, And of course, we're trying to help as much as we can, but there are many more horses out there than we are able to take in. Are there any times of the year that you would say you probably pick up more horses over mm. like Christmas or winter or when it's when it's cold and, and the floods as well? I've seen a lot of horses suffer from the flooding. Yeah, absolutely. And um, funnily enough, you know, we, we sort of, our whole year, like now I'll be planning for next year and what and how many horses I'm taking in each month um, in order to kind of keep us at a place where we can offer the horses in our care the best possible care. So I'm this time of year, I'm sort of preparing for December, January, February, which tend to be obviously, as all horse people know, not brilliant months for no. wet weather and mud and snow, maybe. And we <laughs> and hope not. Fingers crossed. No, no snow not, this Probably. <laughs> um, so I, you know, we are preparing for that with the horses in the centre, but also preparing for this time of year when we do tend to get the calls for those larger welfare um, groups of horses. In fact, um, just coming up in a couple of weeks, I had a call from the RSPCA and my RSPCA contact to ask if we could help with a lift that's happening in the country. Basically, the um, the, the owner has got himself, he's an elderly owner, and basically the horses have just been 
left to their own devices and have just been breeding. So there's a lot of young horses there. There's a lot of older horses there that have been there a long time, all pretty much untouched, sort of born in the field, still living in the field. So we've been asked to kind of step in and take them. And now, of course, those horses in the summer would be fine because they'd be, they are out. They would be grazing and, you know, they would be absolutely fine. But there's a lot of young horses there. There's a lot of last year, this year foals that aren't going to do brilliantly living out. Um, there are some with injuries. Um, and so this time of year, we try to step in early before they become obviously really bad welfare, emaciated and more injuries um, to try and get them out of there before Christmas so that we can kind of offer them the, the care that they need. So, yes, we definitely do see this time of year more uh, bigger groups of horses yeah. um, coming we, into the centre. We always tend to say, oh, he's neglected his horses. How could he do that? It's so bad. But actually, I kind of feel sorry for the old man because he's obviously, in a little bit, you know, he yes, he should have asked for help sooner, but he's obviously just got himself a little bit out of control and he can't yeah. handle the situation that he's in, which is great that you guys can step in and help. Yes, I mean, every, every single case is different and we don't get involved with the prosecutions and the details of these cases. That's kind of left to the police and the authorities that are dealing with the, with those people. RSPCA tend, tend to obviously deal with that. So... It's a difficult one because sometimes, yes, people are absolutely, they get into financial difficulties, um, things get out of control, animals breed and before they know it, they did have five and then they've got 20 and, Mm. you know, things absolutely get out of control and we're definitely not here to judge those people. You know, we're here to help help the horses and offer them the best future that we possibly can. Have there been any cases that have really affected you personally? Um... There, there has been. I mean, I, like I said, I've been here for nearly nine years, and there have been many horses that have gone through that I have, you know, really got some good bonds with. Obviously, they're out in homes now, so I know what they're doing, and yeah. they're all absolutely wonderful. And um, there was a case that I'll tell you about that actually came in this time last year. Um, it was a group of horses, and we had them in um, small batches. But in all, we took in between the two centres um, just over thirty of them. Wow! So we had them. We so the biggest group we had them in was seventeen, but then we had sort of twos and fours and sort of you know spread out. But there was one particular horse who really was a is is and still is a very special horse. He was called Tommy. and he came in one night on a very dark November night very late and as he arrived it was he went he was absolutely petrified he ran off into the field and kind of that was it until the morning we saw them come off and that you know he was absolutely fine ran off into the field next morning we went to see him and he was stood at the back of the um, field absolutely petrified really petrified I mean I have worked with horses for as long as I can remember and I haven't really ever seen a horse that's been as actually properly scared as him not just a wild horse but an abused horse really abused horse and he he came from a case where again it was a kind of similar thing a kind of similar circumstances to to the to the guy that um got out of control very similar but in this case there was some abuse um, and there you know was some mistreatment of the horses as well as just neglect anyway cut a long story short he was here for a long long time he got the most amazing bond with one of our grooms 
Serena and they were absolutely inseparable he really did bond to her and mm. um, to the point where she would just be stood with him and he would put his muzzle on her shoulder and then she'd just be stood there with him now bearing in mind this was a horse that was petrified of touch he was petrified of movement you know he really was a very scared horse but we spent a lot of time training him a lot of time getting his trust you know, we were really, goodness, you know, how on earth are we going to find someone to take him on? He was only, he is only going to ever be a companion horse. And as good as he is now, he won't ever be a riding horse. You Why know, he has then? too much. He just has too many hidden, you know, hidden skeletons Scars. in the closet. Yeah. yeah, he really does. Um, so he will never be a riding horse. But we had a home finder form come in, which is the form that you fill in when you apply for a horse. And the rehoming coordinator, Laura, came to me and said, Vicky, you know, this is the most amazing form has come in. What do you think? Shall we give Tommy a go? And I was like, well, we've got to, you know, we've got to go for it and give it a go. So we invited her up. And my team, who are amazing, as you can imagine, <laughs> usually do all the appointments and the, and the kind of um, with members of the public. But I made the point of coming out to meet this lady obviously because Tommy was a particularly um, traumatized horse I really wanted to make sure that she absolutely knew his past absolutely knew what she was going to be taking on so I spent myself and Serena his groom spent a lot of time with her told her everything warts and all which we do with all the horses yeah. and Tommy just really clicked with her he really clicked with her and at the end of the appointment she said I need to go away and have a think about it which I absolutely wanted her to do I didn't want anybody to take him on lightly um, she went away she phoned up the next day and said oh my goodness please tell me you haven't rehomed him to anyone else I absolutely fell in love with him oh, I lovely. definitely want to carry on with it so she so he's he's at his home funny enough she does a lot of blogs and things so we can all keep up to date with what Tommy's, Tommy's doing. doing. She spent oh. a long time getting a rug on him and he now wears a rug and she absolutely adores him. So he has an amazing life. So he was one, I think he probably is one of the most special horses that I've worked with whilst I've been at the Blue Cross. So when you're working with the horses and you're taking on really traumatised, I mean, we have to say they don't all come in traumatised. No. Some no. of them are, yeah, but the ones that do, you work with so that you make sure that they're safe before yeah. they're rehomed. That Absolutely. So what kind of things do you do? Well, when they first come in, we sometimes know a little bit of information about them. Sometimes we know absolutely nothing. <laughs> and so we will, we very often will just bring them in and um, turn them out in the field, if, if that's appropriate, if they're healthy enough, and just observe them. So we spend a lot of time in the initial kind of couple of weeks just observing them and just seeing what kind of horses they are. Are they horses that like being with other horses? Are they horses that like to be, are they more solitary horses? You know, do they mind being in stable? Do they mind being touched? Do they mind being approached? Because we have so many different types of horses come in with so many different likes and dislikes mm. that we just spend that bit of time just getting to know them really and then that forms the basis of us um developing a training program for them so that we can actually you know get them get them learning and um, improving in their training so a lot of time at the beginning is spent observing and doing the basics can they pick their feet up can you even touch their legs um and of course, we keep records of all of that because there are horses and, 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 you know, so we we spend a lot of time doing that, really. And then they just kind of move on through the training programs. I have a training supervisor, Grace, who is absolutely brilliant at what she does. Um, so she trains the horses and she trains the team to train the horses. Mm -hmm. um, 
It must be lovely for you because you get to then see them, see the horses right from the start, like with Tommy through oh, to yeah. the very end. And, and where any rehomer or a borrower, as you call them, has yeah. to stay in contact with you, you always know that that horse is safe. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is a nice thing that we, you know, know where the horses are and we can, you know, make sure that the, the borrowers feel supported in looking after the horses in the best way they can. And you support them in many ways. It's not just um, with help of looking after the horse, but also I remember I was told that you give them like a, a year, you supply the year's worth of worming for the first year for the horse. Yes, we do. So we offer something which we call supported loan scheme. And in that, that is for all non-ridden horses. So companions or if somebody takes on a youngster. Mm. So we do rehome a lot of young horses, um, either on short-term loan. So sometimes people just want horses for a short amount of time and then they return back to us and then we back them. Some people will take on horses that are young knowing that they're going to be projects so they might take on a yearling and then when they get to four five whatever age they feel is appropriate then they then they are taking on backing that horse themselves so whilst they are a non-ridden horse we provide this supported loan scheme which provides the horse with wormers for a year and vaccinations and a health check and routine dental care so we can just be really sure that those young horses are getting really good care and that the older companion horses are getting really good care. That's why we initially bought it in years ago, is just so that we could absolutely ensure that our older horses, which we had a lot of at the time, Mm. were seeing the vet at least once a year for a health check. They were definitely getting routine teeth done, um, obviously, and their vaccinations and wormers. So that's why it was bought in a long time ago. But it's it's something definitely that people are quite pleased about when they come to us and realise that we're going to be uh, supporting them in that way as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing what you do. It really, really is. And you work very closely with other charities, as you said, yes. like the RSPCA. Yes. yes. Do they phone you on a regular basis? I mean, yes, I have contacts with RSPCA. Um, you know, we work with Red Wings, we work with World Horse Welfare, we work with Horse World in Bristol. So we do work with, with lots of them. The National Equine Welfare Council do a lot of educational work as well. Mm. And we have, an, Blue Cross have an education team and there is an education forum that is all of the charities working together. And um, so we have a two two girls, Gemma and Kerry, who are on that um, education forum for National Equine Welfare Council. So they come up with latest information about obesity, grazing muzzles they've recently been working on. So they'll do all of that side of it as well, which is a fantastic area of work that we're doing for the horse charity industry. And that's all free. So anybody can go yeah. and learn from you guys, you know, if they're struggling looking after their horse or they want to learn something new or maybe they're a new horse owner. Because a lot of what we've been talking about over the last few weeks is it's okay to ask questions. Nobody's going to laugh at you. No one's going to shout at you. We actually just want to help each other to do the the, the ultimate is, is the best for the horse. Yes, absolutely. And on the Blue Cross website, we have a whole plethora of literature that is all aimed at the horse owner. Um, And actually, it's funny that I'm speaking about this because I've just been given the task of going through it all and updating it all. But it's all there now. (laughs) I am updating it all as well. Thank you. (laughs) We're going to be doing video clips and things like that. So it will be changing over the next couple of years to video clips and things. But But right now, there is all this information there that is readily available and free. So any questions that anybody has, and it's aimed at horse owners. So it's it's 
um, it's written in a really good way. So, and it, of course, it will be written in an even better way once I've had a read of it, uh, rewritten it all. <laughs> but please, you know, anybody can go there and, you know, help themselves to all that information. So I guess then if someone's interested in rehoming or they just want to find out a little bit more of information, then they can look at your website. Yes, they absolutely can. There's loads of information on there. And if they see a horse that they do think is in distress or they're worried about, should they phone you directly? If, I mean, Blue Cross have no legal powers to do anything about abandoned horses or fly grazing horses or horses that are people feel are in welfare need. Um, However, that said, we're always very happy to offer advice if people are confused. I get a lot of people that phone me up and just say, there are some horses down the road, they're abandoned, I don't know where to go, I've tried this, I've tried that, can't get anywhere, what shall I do? Always, we are always very happy to offer advice. However, that said, we are unable to come and just collect the horses, there are laws. So I would certainly suggest that um, people contact the police if the horses are going to put the public in danger, the RSPCA if there is a welfare concern for the horse, the RSPCA can deal with those kind of situations the best. Mm -hmm. If the horses are grazing on common land and there's a council attached to that common land, then to to contact the local council. Trading standards are very good at removing horses and um, they will contact then the Blue Cross or other charities to find places for those horses and that's where we step in and help. I see. Well, that's brilliant. Thank you. Last year, it was it was horrific, the amount of horses that got stuck in floods. And yeah. where I'm from in, in Dorset, in Christchurch, there were 20 horses that were stranded on some land. Oh. And it was the RSPCA that came along. And I, I'm, I'm proud to say I was one of the people that helped save them. It was a pretty oh, horrific journey trying to get them across the water. Um, but already now, personally, I'm worrying, thinking, oh, well, the weather's getting bad and it's raining. And, you know, are these horses, other horses going to be stuck out there? So I guess it's, it's working together more as a community as well. Yeah. And I think that horse owners need to be prepared and ready for the winter months ahead. Again, there's information on our website about what to do and preparing for floods and, and, and all that sort of you know thing on the website in our leaflets. Um, but I think it is really preparing, making sure that you have enough feed in, that you have somewhere dry that's obviously not in a flood flooding area. So definitely preparation for winter. I think... Horses, fly grazing horses and horses that um, may not necessarily be seen to have an owner, those are obviously, I imagine, probably the 20 that you... Oh, it's the same situation as your man. It was a lady, so she was 80-odd and she'd just got stuck. She had so many and she couldn't handle them and just left them. Mm. That's really difficult. And there are so many of those sorts of situations around the country. There really are. so I, in those circumstances, it's just working together as a community and helping out and, and doing what you can, really. Yeah, and, and quite often people are accepting of the help. Once they've got over the embarrassment that they need it, um, you know, there were other, other horse owners that had fields that said, you know, you can put seven of your horses in this field and, yeah. you know, spreading yeah. them out. And that's the same if, if it's just a couple of you that have a horse. The worry, again, is that your field is going to get flooded and you've got nowhere else to put them. Well, I'm sure if you literally go and knock on the door of a couple of yards down the road, they will say, come in here for a week, for a few days. Yeah. You know, we're all there to help each other. I think so. And I think that, you know, people are afraid to ask for help from other people. But actually, you know, I have so many calls from so many very helpful people that are constantly offering to help us take 
take our horses off of our fields and look after them and you know people are so generous and so helpful if you're just brave enough to ask and how are you funded do you need donations or help yeah well we're we're completely self-funded we have no government funding so if anybody wants to make a donation to us then they can absolutely go to the website and it's very very clear on there how um, you can donate to us we really appreciate all donations it really does enable us to help more horses the more money we get the more horses and the more animals generally because the blue cross obviously is all species we can help so we are so grateful for any donations that we get so i would definitely ask for (laughs) as many people as possible to go on there so we need to head to the website and what's the website address (laughs) it's www.bluecross.org.uk Vicky Alford, you've been amazing. Thank you so much. That's okay. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget you can share your stories. Talk about your charity, your business or your event at hashtag horse hour on Twitter. It's every Monday. All you've got to do is include the hashtag horse hour in your tweet. And that's between 8pm and 9pm UK time. Speak to you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.